I'm Jago Wynn and welcome to the HTC Daily Podcast. We as a church are meeting daily on Zoom to speak to God in prayer and to hear from God in the Bible. For those of you who can't join us live or who want to listen again, we're featuring the Daily Bible Thought and we're also including how we're being encouraged to pray each day. Today it's Anthony Buck. Good morning. Our reading is in Psalm 15, uh, the whole thing this morning. A Psalm of David. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose way of life is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. So as we kind of read this psalm this morning in Psalm 15, It's a short psalm, but it's a very, I think, poignant psalm. I mean, they're all poignant, but this one is kind of interesting because David starts with a question. Um, And it's not maybe the normal kind of question, like how much longer until your salvation comes? Or why are these people so terrible to me? Or... uh, Even, God, will you please help me with this problem? In this case, David starts this question uh, with, and it might be a simple question. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? And you might think, well, you know, I know the answer to this, David. I've been to the temple before. Well, I guess there was not quite a temple yet, but I've been to the tabernacle. I know the answer. It's obviously the high priest. It's, it's uh, the Levites and, and all the other priests. Uh, definitely, these are the people who can dwell in God's sacred tent and live on the holy mountain. But David is not asking a rhetorical question If you see in verse 1, he asks the Lord, O Lord, who can dwell in your sacred tents? Who may live on your holy mountain? He's asking a question. But then all of a sudden he has an answer. And I don't know if this is the answer that God gave to him or if this is the answer he was bringing to the Lord to be tested. But this is the answer that in the psalm, I think David writes down, as the answer that God has for us today. And it's not about priests, and it's not about Levites, um, though hopefully they're included. Uh, Instead, it is the one whose way of life is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utter no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest and who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. 
Now, many of these things might seem very conventional, you know, very expected even. Okay, well, where does he start? Well, the one whose way of life is blameless. Now, that, maybe that's actually, that's not too unusual. We could see where that answer comes from. I think what's, what's interesting about David's question before we get to the answer is that his question already begins to imply what the kind of answer is. What is, rephrasing the question, why wouldn't someone be able to dwell in God's sacred tents? Why wouldn't someone be able to live on God's mountain? What is the thing that keeps people from being able to be with God, to live with God, to enjoy the presence of God? What is that thing? And there is a hint because in the first, in the second half of that question, he says, your holy mountain. Now, what makes the mountain holy? In this case, it is, the, it is holy because God is present there. It is the mountain of his holiness. And it is the holiness of God that, that really presents such a, a question to David. Like, people are not holy. People are not righteous. People are not like God. And we know that God is holy. He is righteous. He is good. And he has to relate to evil things in the way that evil has to be dealt with by removing it. But if you have evil people how can they enter the presence of God without being removed by God? Well, part of the answer is the kind of person who is with God, who comes to God. And the way of life is blameless for that person. They do what is righteous. They do justice. They speak the truth from their heart. And these are sort of the positive things that David says. But then David moves us to some very direct applications because if we just stayed there, a way of life who's blameless, who does what's righteous, who speaks the truth from the heart, that would give us a a lot of where we need to go, but it might not confront us with the sometimes more difficult realities, I think, of being holy as God is holy. It's easy to say it's good to have a blameless life and to do righteous things and to speak the truth. But what does that really mean? Well, I think he kind of unpacks it in verse 3, 4, and 5. He says it means not slandering. And that is actually sometimes a much more difficult thing to do. Telling things that are untrue about other people or even sometimes telling the truth about people but using it for social advantage. Who does no wrong to a neighbor. I mean, no wrong is a pretty hard thing to accomplish. It's easy to wrong neighbors, sometimes even by accidents. Who casts no slur on others. In this case, it really echoes what Jesus himself says in the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, it's great not that you, that you don't kill people, but... Have you noticed the attitude of your heart towards people can be the same as a murderer? Just by calling somebody an idiot or the other even worse things that we can call people. Then he kind of goes and he says, but don't don't get me wrong. There are times where actually just because we don't insult people 
it doesn't mean that actually we should celebrate them being a terrible person. And so he says, who despises a vile person? But what I think is interesting about it is another translation says, who a vile person is despised in their eyes. And it almost seems like David recognizes that it might not be something that is even articulated, but it's something that stays in our heart. And we say, this is not the way a person should live and act, even though maybe we don't say terrible things about them. But we do say good things about those who fear the Lord. And so we honor those who fear the Lord. But then, speaking the truth from their heart, doing what is righteous, it can even mean keeping an oath, keeping our promises when it's when it comes at great cost and not changing our minds about things that we've said. And then maybe most provocative, Provocative, provocatively, people who lend money to the poor without interest and who don't accept a bribe against the innocent. Then David concludes, whoever does these things will not be shaken. And I think in that concluding statement, he also reveals the reason why we choose to not be the kind of person who can dwell in God's sacred tent, who cannot live on his holy mountain. It's because all the other ways of living are ways of trying to establish ourselves and keep ourselves from being shaken, shaken in the world, shaken in society, shaken in our own estimation. But ironically, it puts us on shaky ground. And only by coming to faith in Christ and receiving the Holy Spirit and becoming the kind of person that Christ was by God's grace, do we become the kind of person who will never be shaken because we're founded on Christ and then can live with God forever.